Hey, welcome to Church Alive's podcast. We are so blessed and so honored that you could join us here today. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Our mission here is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for joining in and enjoy the message. I apologize in advance if I cough a lot. I've had this cough, would you believe, since July. Pastor Miriam, go to the doctor. I have. Pastor Miriam, take your medicine. I have. It's just this stupid cough. It just will not stop. So anyway, pray for me. Please pray for me because uh, Anthony gets really upset when he's preaching. I'm like, <laughs> like dying up there in the front row. He's like, you're distracting me. I'm like, I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, welcome. Welcome to the start. First of all, my name is Pastor Miriam. My husband and I are the senior pastors here at this church, and it is such an honor, such an honor to minister in this house and to just believe for God's power, his presence, his miracles over your world, your family, and all that's to come. And so thank you for being here, the launch of the series. But we just came out of an awesome series, a six-week series that we launched when we opened here in this amazing building. And it was called Winning in Life, How to Get Unstuck in the Four Areas of Life. We talked about our health, finances, relationships, and our faith, and the high cost of stuck living. And um, we talk throughout each week different ways to persevere and not quit and how important it is to get stuck for your family's sake, how important it is to get, did I say stay stuck? I meant get unstuck in these different areas. But I'm not going to lie, each week, but especially the last week, when we finished the series, I thought to myself, what about those people, though, that came for six weeks and nothing changed for them? What about for those people who came for six weeks and, you know, and, and for numerous reasons things don't change, right? Sometimes we're just lazy. Sometimes we just expect God to drop everything on our plate and we're like, all right, God, you didn't show up. I'm bouncing. Well, sometimes you just have to get up, make the practical adjustments so that things can change in your life. Sometimes what happens is we leave church on a Sunday, it goes in one ear, out the other, and then we're like, well, you know, whatever, great old message, but it doesn't change you. Well, that's because you didn't let the word of God become a seal in your heart to change your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, and forever. Sometimes it's just because you're on autopilot. You go to work, you wake up, you hit the snooze, you're like, oh, it's Monday again. And you get home, you cook dinner, you sit and you watch whatever TV show helps you unwind, and that's not a bad thing. But then it's the same thing over and over and over again. Weeks go by, months go by, months, uh, years go by. Before you know it, you're 75, and you've done the same thing, and you've been stuck your entire life. But then I also think about those people that they don't need a practical adjustment. They, they don't need someone to just be like, hey, get a budget. They have a budget. They're not in financial stress or financial crisis because they don't have a budget. It's not because they're spenders. It's because maybe they got laid off, and they're either overqualified or underqualified, and they're trying to make meets end. Did I say that right? Ends meet. Ends meet. <laughs> they're trying to make a living. They're trying to support their family, but they can't. The right doors aren't opening yet. They keep knocking on doors and things don't happen. I think about the person that, you know, they, they try to eat healthy. They, they go to the gym or if they can, yet they don't have an issue with the health because it's a physical adjustment they have to make. It's because they were diagnosed with a disease. And what do you tell those people? Maybe if people in here today, like they heard the six weeks of getting unstuck and it was so great, but you're like, but Pastor Anthony, 
I have cancer, or I have diabetes, or I have this, or I have that. I need something more than just a practical adjustment. I think about the family that their life just got shattered because mom walked away or dad walked away and there was nothing the other spouse did, but he just left. He just did. It's not a practical adjustment for that person. It's not a practical adjustment for her, for him, for that child that perhaps was born and born sick or born with something that is hard for the family to deal with and they hope and they pray and they're like, God, you have those people and and, and you have those stories and those situations that yes, we have our personal responsibility and accountability in our life, but sometimes people need a flipping miracle. Sometimes people just need a miracle. Sometimes people just need the hand, the power of God to come and breathe on your situation. And as you're waiting, as you're waiting, and maybe for some of you, you've waited for years for your miracle, for your breakthrough. Maybe for some of you, you've waited for months. I don't know every person's story, but maybe you're tired. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe you go on vacation, but you come back, you're still exhausted because it's not just a physical thing. Your soul is depleted. Your mind is exhausted. You go to bed every night and you keep playing things over and over and over again. And you can't have peace. You're exhausted. Your soul is weary. You just need a miracle. What happens when everything you've been praying and hoping for just doesn't seem like it's going to happen? How do you respond? What do you do? How do you walk through this Christian life? Do you pretend it's not happening? Do you just go to church, sing the songs that are hard to sing because you're not sure you actually believe what you're singing? Because God, it's been years, you still haven't come through for me. But Christ is enough for me. And you're like, is he though? Because I'm still waiting. And if we can be real with ourselves, some of us can get in that state in our spirit, in our mind, in our, in our hope. Our hope is tired. We don't even want to hope again because we're tired of getting let down. So what happens when it doesn't happen? That's the title of this message this afternoon. What happens when it doesn't happen? What's it, Pastor Miriam? I don't know. Whatever it is that you've been hoping for. Whatever it is that your mother, your father, your son, your daughter, your sister, whoever has been hoping for and you've been watching, maybe it's not you, but you've been watching the heartbreak. What happens when it doesn't happen? My prayer this afternoon for you is that this word refreshes your soul. There might be parts in this message that might hurt, that might be harsh, but we know a loving God sometimes doesn't just tell us what we want to hear. We need to hear the truth that will get us out of our comfort zone, that will actually cause us to get up and do something, because I'll tell you now, whether you know it, whether you don't, whether you feel it, whether it feels foreign, hope has come. If you've been tired, hope again. If you feel like it's not going to happen, let me tell you, hope again. But in the meantime, What happens when it doesn't happen? What happens when you've been faithful? What happens when you've done it all right? I go to connect group, I serve, I tithe, I do all this, Lord. Oh my gosh, I am faithful. Where are you? 
We're going to talk about that this morning or this afternoon. There will be pages in the chapters of your life where you are full of faith. You are like Miss Prophetic. I declare and I decree to that mountain. You go over there and I declare and I curse that sickness. And you are full of faith and you are full of strength and full of power. But then all of a sudden flip over two pages and this person who was full of faith and suddenly feeling defeated. Suddenly feeling like doubt is just assaulting their minds. It's almost like your faith got hijacked. Has anyone ever felt like your faith has been hijacked? Has anyone ever felt like God has let you down? Has anyone ever been tired of waiting for the breakthrough? So what do we do? What do we do when we know God is real, but if we really think about it, deep inside, we're not really sure we can trust him. Like you don't want to tell anybody because that's not like the Christian thing to say, right? Like, oh, can you imagine if they really knew how I felt? So what happens when it doesn't happen? You know, our faith, our hope, our belief in God, it gets rocked when things don't happen the way we thought it would. See, we have this perception, right? We have this picture of how things should happen for us. God, this timeline, this way, like this. Like how he should do it, when he should do it, where he should do it. And God's like, yo, I'm God, you're not, last time I checked. And so often we put God in this box and we're like, God, I expect you to bring me my man by this date. And then you just keep doing the shoulder thing and it just keeps going for a while. God, I expect you to bring my woman by this date. Well, guys don't do that. Girls do. The Latinas, like, ooh, you know. Us white girls, like the white girls were just like. And then the Latinas, they just add the, the, they just add the whole body thing, you know. Okay, I'll stop. We put God in this box and we say, well, it doesn't look like he's going to show up the way I want him to show up, so maybe something is not right. So often it looks like heaven is holding out on us. Sometimes it looks like the promises have dried up for you, but not for that annoying girl next to you, that annoying guy. Like, oh, yeah, he always gets everything he wants. He's like the most annoying person in the world. The promises don't dry up for him. Look at how loud and obnoxious in church. I know you feel that way. I do sometimes. Confessions of a pastor. But the reality is this. We sometimes feel that way, whether we tell people or not, whether we hashtag how we feel or not, whether we tweet what we feel or not. We feel it, and because we feel it, it actually does something to our faith where we can't actually be refreshed in his presence because we doubt he's real or what he can do is real. See, sometimes we don't have a problem with God being real. We have an issue because what we see in his word doesn't seem to always match up, and so we question him. We're like, well, I know you're real clearly because, I mean, monkeys couldn't have made all this, right? And so there's like, duh, like, duh, right? But like, then why, when your word says, ask anything in my name, it doesn't happen? And then we're like, see, God, now I got a problem. And God's like, chill, let me teach you some things. 
what happens for when, you, when what you hope for doesn't happen. I think all throughout scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we have countless stories, countless examples of heroes of our faith, men and women who you would think when you first start reading their story, dang, is God going to show up for them? Like, oh my gosh, that's unfair. Oh my God. And, and you read the stories and you're like, man, poor guy. It's like even I want to like whine for them. Like, God, that's not fair. God, why would you do? God, God. And then you read the end, you're like, oh, that's why. Oh, you're God. I forgot again. You see, our God, let me tell you something. You might have a prayer request. But you see, God, he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. So when you're praying that one thing you're hoping for, he actually knows the whole package of what you need. He knows the whole assignment. So sometimes you're just praying a fraction of what he actually knows that you need, and he's just trying to fulfill all of what he's called you to be. But yet we're impatient. I often think about different stories like Abraham and Sarah, where it seems like the promise is never showing up or that he was showing up late. Abraham was 75 years old, 75 do the math, can't have babies around that time. You know what I mean? Back then they didn't have that little blue thing, you know? And so, you know what I'm saying? I'm keeping it real, okay? Keeping it real. All right, so back in the day there wasn't that, but 75 years old, he gets the promise. And he's like, you're gonna be a father. And he's like, awesome. And Sarah's like, how? A year goes by, did they have a baby? No. Five years go by, it's baby time. No. 10 years, rock my baby. No. 15 years, 20 years, nothing, 25 years. And you would think, God, you showed up late. No, he didn't. God had a purpose and a plan, and he had so much to teach Abraham and Sarah during that time. He was sparing Abraham and Sarah. He was preparing Abraham and Sarah. He was teaching Abraham and Sarah. God longs for you to be in the season of waiting, because it's in the season of waiting, thank you. Wipe your teeth, it has lipstick on it. (laughs) Thank you for the notes in church. (laughs) That was awesome. Waiting, yes, he longs for the waiting. (laughs) Great, now I'm gonna be self-conscious the rest of the time. Waiting, he wants you to cling to him because it's in the clinging to him that he's like my daughter, my son. It's in the clinging, wait, let him do something in you, in the waiting. I think about when sometimes we feel like hope is dead. Like it's literally dead, dead, done. And we're like, well, it's dead. Once it's dead, it's dead. But then I think of the story. When Martha and Mary come running to Jesus, Jesus just showed up from like changing the world. And he comes up and they're like, you're too late. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? You came too late, there's no point in you being here anymore. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like Lazarus is dead. And Jesus was like, he got upset because it was his like best friend, like close friends, like amigos. And he's like, my word, yo Lazarus. Get up, not done with you yet. Lazarus, hope is not dead. Wake up, wake up. I don't care if the coffin has been closed and it's underground. God can say get up and he will bring to life the very thing that seems dead. Because when he speaks in his time for his purpose, all will be accomplished. 
I think about Joseph. Poor Joseph. Sometimes, like I mentioned before, when I read the scripture, I'm like, ooh, how would I handle that? It's like, oh, God, you are still preparing me, you know? How would I handle that unfairness, that treatment, that whatever? And I think of Joseph. Joseph, if you don't know the story, he was one of 12 brothers. His brothers were super jealous of him, so they throw him in a pit. Like, thanks, thanks for coming. Can you just, like, not like me and just leave me alone? No, you throw me in a pit. And then they sold him. They sold him into slavery. Off he went to, like, this foreign land. But because of God's favor on his life, he ended up working in Pharaoh's palace. He was one of the highest officials, the governors there. So favor got him there, but you're like, but favor didn't get him, like, in prison. Well, I'll wait, 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 okay? We're getting there. So he's in the palace. You're like, okay, so he's sold into slavery. He's a slave while he's in this palace, but he at least gets to be in the palace, right? As he's there, still faithful, still doing amazing things, still being an honorable man. And then, like, Potiphar's wife, which a lot of pastors like to call Hotifer, like, decides to, like, tempt the guy and decides to, like, try to get in bed with him and the moral, honest guy that he was, he's like, no, girl, get away. Even though you're hot, get away. You know what I'm saying? And so he runs from her. She manages to make up this story and then Joseph gets put in jail. So in prison again, basically. And you're like, that's not fair. He did everything right. He was faithful. He was doing the right thing. He was praying. He was reading. He was serving. He was on a dream team. He was in connect group. He did everything he needed to. He went to thrive, but he wasn't thriving. (laughs) And you're like, what the heck? Then the, the Pharaoh starts having these dreams, and because of the prophetic gift on Joseph's life, he was able to interpret it. So then he brought him back up like, yo, I need you next to me. And so he prophesied the famine coming all across the nations at that time. So they were able to be prepared for when the famine came. Track with me. Years go by. He sees from a distance these people that look like his family. Now, he hadn't seen his family in years. Hope was gone for him. He never expected to see his family again. And then all of a sudden, his brothers. Then his brothers go back at the other brothers. And then they go back and bring his father, which was, his father was his everything, his hero. You see, if he just prayed, God, get me out of prison, and he wasn't out, and he was still stuck in there and all this stuff, you could be like, man, God, that's not fair. But God knew the entire assignment. God knew why he needed to have him on this journey because he wanted to unite the family in the end for the greater glory of what God wanted to do. You have to trust. He sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. Just hold, hold, hope again. Just hold, hold, chill. That's a better word, chill. Hold. I love what it says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. We're going to read it in the message translation. I always wonder if a woman wrote it because it's really wordy. Um, But uh, maybe not. I think it was a guy. So it says like this. I don't think the way you think. That will preach right there. It's like, see you later, guys. Have a great week. God bless you. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work, says the Lord. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. 
Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they're watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. And listen to this. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. Like, do you get it? Like, Miriam, do you get it? Because sometimes I don't feel like you do, Miriam. You know what I'm saying? Like, do the work I sent them to do, and they'll complete the assignment I gave them. We only know sometimes a fraction of what that assignment could be. And we're praying, God, do this, do this, do this. And God's like, just wait, honey, just wait. Or maybe better yet, he's saying, no, honey, that's a bad door. I want to spare you from that door. I want to spare you from that situation. I got a better one for you. And we're like, please, please. That guy is so hot. Funny story, I told our youth uh, Friday and I told the 10 o'clock service. So years ago, I um, dated this guy, really nice guy, you know, cool family, love the family, actually, I love the family. And uh, back then, you know, in youth groups when they're small, there's normally just like one hot guy in the youth group, right? You know, I know how it is, right? And you're like, that guy is hot. I'm going to go for him. And so you pray, Lord, please make it work, make it work. Start dating. You're like, that was the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Not just that you were like, hey, you know. No, it was the Lord. And so you start dating the person three years or two and a half years. I don't even remember. It was a long time ago. And we broke up. It was the end of the world for me. I was like, the hot guy broke up with me. And I was devastated. I know so like, okay, Miriam, we're now like our older, like that's irrelevant. I remember praying that God would open that door. God, I want to marry this guy. God, I want to marry this guy. And I didn't know. I'm like, why is heaven silent? God, tell me something. The closed door is him telling you something. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just to wait. But sometimes it's just to say, yo, I'm sparing you pain. Just wait. I've got another door for you. He's sparing you. And then it's like, hello, I got this guy now. It's like, obviously, better. And he has an Australian accent. Favorite fair, okay? <laughs> you might be saying, God, I don't know what you're doing. But can you trust him enough to say, although I don't know what you're doing, I know you're doing something? Yeah. I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're doing something. You see the big picture. You know what is ahead for me. I live to follow your leading, not mine. Your kingdom come, not mine. Yeah. We live in a world where it's like, my kingdom come, not yours, unless it likes what I'm doing. Like, your kingdom come, Lord. Your kingdom come. But we flipped it around. It's like, my kingdom come, unless what you want to do aligns with what I want. It's like, oh, it's a little bit, like, twisted. That's not right. No, your kingdom come. Your will be done in me, not mine. There have been moments in my life where I'm just like, God, why are you withholding from me? Like, what have I done? I'm literally going through my journals. Am I in sin? Am I gossiping? Am I talking? Am I unforgiveness? Like, God, is there something I haven't dealt with? Like, and you start looking at your works. Like, it's your works that gets you, like, God's favor or something, you know? And you're like, what the heck? What is it? And, and I'm looking and I'm asking God. And, and there was times when I wondered why something didn't happen for me at a certain time. You know, we prayed for 10 years. 10, 
10 years, uh, 10 years to get a building. Ten, we started off in the smelliest room you could ever imagine at the Elks Lodge in Rutherford. There's a lot of, there's still some people here that met there. We had like 40 people before we moved to the Williams Center. That room, just to give you a picture, smelled like beer, cigarettes, and pee. <laughs> Think of a guy's locker room plus the beer, okay? And that's where we had church. Oh my God, I'm spraying Febreze here because I want a good fragrance to go up to your kingdom, like a sweet-smelling aroma, Lord. Let our worship and the smell of this room be a good, sweet-smelling aroma in your presence. And we were there for two years, and I was like, oh my gosh, please, God, give us something. Please, God, give us a building. God, give us something. And he didn't. He didn't. But the Williams Center opened up, so we went there. A year of being there, I was like, God, we want the Williams Center. We want the Williams Center. We started fasting. We started praying. We're taking this place. This place is going to be awesome. Blah, 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 blah. We're going to own this place. Yeah, yeah. And that was great. Faith, favor, declaring, prophesy, speaking life, all that awesome faith stuff. We did it. <laughs> and we were there for years. And literally the last five years of the many years we were there, I was like, I can't take it anymore. Just burn this place down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. God, when are you going to do it for us? I'll be on Instagram and I'll see all my friends and their churches and all their beautiful buildings and all the amazing things they're doing. I'm like, I know I pray more than her. I know I pray more than him. Why are you favoring them over us? God, I'm asking you for a good thing. So often we complain to God and we say, God, I'm asking you for a good thing. I'm not asking, I'm not asking you for a Ferrari, although that would be nice. I'm asking you for a good thing. I'm asking you for a husband or a wife so we can do things for your kingdom. I'm asking you for a financial breakthrough so I could be just, you're asking for great things. But it's not happening. And you're like, but I'm asking you for the right things. Why are you still not breaking this area free for me? All I know is as I look back now, I thank God more for the closed doors in my life than the open ones. As I look back now, as I look back now, I say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to do the floss. I didn't marry him. Woo! I can't do the floss. I thank God. I thank God more for the, thank God we didn't take the Williams Center. Thank God. You don't even want to know. There's lots of reasons why we shouldn't have. And thank God he spared us. He spared us. It might be a good thing what you're asking for. But he knows the big picture. He sees the final thing. He sees what's coming. And let me tell you something. If God would have given us what we were praying for five years ago, it would have come prematurely and it would have broken us. Sometimes we want something that's not bad. But sometimes in the wrong time, it could break you. Sometimes our blessings that come prematurely actually make you fall on your face, actually destroy you, actually cause you to doubt God more, actually take you away from God's blessings. I knew a friend who was on fire for Jesus. Fire. Actually, I know a lot of friends who used to be on fire for Jesus. And they wanted this thing. I'm not going to say what it is, but they wanted this thing. And they got it. And they are so far from God, so far from his purpose, so far from his destiny. But they got what they wanted. Sometimes what you want, he's not giving it to you yet. 
because it could break you in the wrong time. Ecclesiastes 3.11, everything is made perfect in his time. Amen. Everything. Everything. As I looked back sometimes in tears and confusion and desperation, now as I'm in a place where I'm feeling stronger again and I'm able to turn back and be like, oh my gosh, you were doing something. You weren't withholding. You weren't trying to stifle my joy. You weren't trying to make me feel unfair. No, you were sparing me and preparing me and teaching me. And can I tell you, greater than sparing me, greater than whatever the other word I said it was, which was the other word? Preparing. Oh, you guys are listening. That was a test, by the way. Do you know what the greatest thing God's taught me? Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Like, like we sing songs like, Christ is enough for me. Or you are the fountain that won't run dry. And we sing it and, oh, Lord. And then we walk out of church and we're like, Bleh. <laughs> we're like, you're not the fountain because you still haven't given me this. And, blah, 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 blah. and it's like, and God just wants to know something. There are certain seasons where it's going to like rain. It's going to be like, come on, yeah. It's going to be amazing. He answers everything when you want it, how you want it, yeah. And then there's seasons where like, oh, where'd you go? Hello, you still up there? Is Christ enough? Yes. But do you believe he's enough? Like we know he's enough, right? Because we sing about it. It says it in the word. But do you know he's enough? In here, right here, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Miriam, I want to be your exceedingly great reward. Miriam, I want to be your exceedingly great reward. I don't want your reward to be what I could give you because that's just a moment of joy. Sure, I could produce whatever memories or whatever it is that you're praying for. It's a good thing. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's financial breakthrough. I don't know what you're praying for. But I know that God desires for you and me. I know that he desires for us to be like, God, your grace is enough. I think about Paul, and he was talking about the thorn in his flesh. We don't know what the thorn was. He wasn't married, so it couldn't be his mother-in-law, so that scratches that idea out. But we don't know. No offense to mother-in-laws. I'm going to be one one day, and it freaks me out. I'm already praying. Do you know that while I was pregnant, this is a word for some of you moms. When I was pregnant, I literally prayed for their future spouses. I laid my hand on my belly, and I'm like, in the name of Jesus, let them be amazing and let them love me so much. <laughs> and let them love you too, God. You know what I'm saying? But yes, no, all jokes aside, pray now. Pray before they come. Pray, if, it, if they're already here, then start praying now. It doesn't matter if they're five, 10. That's so early, Pastor Miriam, trust me. Your prayers go before God as a memorial. He remembers them. Pray for them. Thorn in the side. He says like this in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Three different times I begged. This is the apostle Paul. Saw Jesus. I mean the apostle. I mean miracles. He begged, all right? He begged three times for the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, God said to him, Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. 
So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. In my weaknesses and in the insults, in the hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That verse does not encourage you. Because you're like, I don't want hardships. I don't want persecution. I don't want any of that. I just want my blessing. I just want the favor. I just want people to leave me alone. And I just want to live my life. This is not always. There are seasons where it feels like, man, heaven's holding out on you. There are seasons where it feels hard. He just wants you to know that he is enough for him. He just wants to get into your soul where you are tired, where you are exhausted, where you are depleted of hope. And you're like, I've got nothing left. He said, good, now you come to me. Good, because he's waiting for the waiting period. Because it's in the waiting period that if we are in good spirits with God, if we are trusting of God, we know where to go in those moments. We go to our knees. And it's on our knees that we have intimacy with God. We build our relationship. It's where he spurs faith and hope and his presence heals us. When we don't go to Christ and we go to our complaining and we go to our whining and we go to doubts, that's where we lose hope. That's where we grow resentful and bitter. If you're a guy, oftentimes isolation. If you're a girl, oftentimes, I don't know, anxiety. We have our different ways of moving and and, and living and experiencing pain. But there's different ways that you can wait. And I believe with all my heart that God wants you to cling to him in the season of wait. I know you might not be able to see what he's doing now, but can you praise him in the valley until you get to the mountaintop? Can you just praise him even when it doesn't make sense? Can you praise him even when it hurts? Because if you could do that, you can come to the end of whatever season you're in, and you could say, God, I was faithful. God, I did what I needed to do. I praised you. I worshiped you. I I adored you. I did it right. So I know you will come through. So I know that I can stand here knowing my God will provide. My God will make things come through for me. I don't care. I don't care what it is you're going through. Make sure you don't lose the blessing by your complaining, by your whining. The people of Israel, they didn't get into the promised land because they whined, they complained, and they doubted God and what he was doing. Don't lose your blessing. Promised land is coming. There are two ways to wait, though, in faith or in fear and doubt. Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Hear that again. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we, at just the right time, like tattoo that. Well, Pastor Miriam, tattoos are from the devil, whatever. That's your thing. At just the right time, his time, not your time, not the little thing you put in a box, this way, this way, this way. No, 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 his time. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. If, circle the if, like if, 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 if. If, yes, if we don't give up. If we don't give up. But Miriam, I'm exhausted. Then let someone pick you up while you're tired. 
But Pastor Miriam, Pastor Miriam, you don't understand. I've been in church my whole life. This always happens to me. But okay, you're tired? Tell someone you're tired. Let someone pray you through. Let someone fight with you. Last year, I was exhausted. Last year, I felt like I had nothing left. I had gone through one of the hardest times of my life. But I had intercessors in my life, friends in my life. There was a time I went up for prayer. Yeah, the pastor went up for prayer. I did. I waited till most people left, though, because that was embarrassing, right? I was like, whoa, anyone watching? And when most of them left, I went up to Pastor Katie. I went up to Elena, one of our intercessors. I'm like, pray for me, because I don't know if I can do this. And they sat there. Well, they stood there, actually, as I sobbed, and they carried me, and they prayed for 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 me, and I'm here today because people carried me, and they prayed for me, and they prayed for me, and they prayed for me. Do not do it alone. We are stronger in community, like Verlani said. If it's too hard, tell someone. Don't go in the little corner of your house, get the weighted blankets that I just learned about. I never knew that was a thing, now I know. <laughs> Snapple cap fact for you. So often we just hibernate, we isolate. We get depressed, we get anxious. Let someone know so they can carry you. So, totally off notes. Three things, real quick. What happens when it doesn't happen? What happens when it doesn't happen? Number one, quite simply, Really easy, you quit. You literally quit. Uh, Pastor Miriam, what does that mean? Quit complaining. <laughs> quit doubting. Quit growing bitter and resentful. Quit forgetting that he is faithful to deliver. Quit it, just stop. Number two. You wait. Actually, Pastor Magno, if you're here, if you can come up with the song. Number two, you wait. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Like, that's like an oxy, what do you mean they will run and not grow weary? They will walk and not faint. Like, what do you mean? That's what happens for those who wait on the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. That means you can go through the hard crap of life. You can go through the bad news sometimes that life happens. You can go through the different seasons. But when you wait on the Lord, when you come in his presence and in his presence receive the refreshing of God that only he could give supernaturally so that when you are going through the pain, when you are going through the disappointment, when you are going through despair, you can get on your knees and you say, God, you are enough for me and his presence can saturate the loss in your soul and you can get up and you can walk and you can be free and you can be renewed and you can have faith and you can have strength only in the presence of God only in the presence of God because if it's not it's fake it'll last you a moment you wait I love the message version I've been doing the message a lot today it's really cool look what it says why would you ever complain, oh Miriam, oh Pastor Anthony, oh Verlani, or wine, Church Alive, saying God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. How many of us have said that? 
Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folks in their prime stumble and fall. But those, 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 those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles like an eagle or like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. Man, hope right there. While you're waiting, sure it can hurt. We all have stories. We all have losses, every single one of us, disappointments. We wish we can just make our finger a magic wand and be healed, get this, that. It's not the way it works. But his presence is available. So through the disappointment and through the pain and through the agony and through the anger, we could be real, we could, we could be real about this. Some of us are pissed. We're angry. We're like, why? No harm in being real. But if you can just learn what it means to come into the presence of God and just sit there, just like your phone, let it charge enough. Let it charge enough, like 100%, so it can last you. Charging two minutes here and there, it runs real quick. I know. Let it, let it charge. Let your faith be an environment where the presence of God is real. Not just like going to work and hearing a song. Like we all put worship, well, most of us, I hope all of us, put worship on on the way to work or in the shower or whatever, however you do it. And sometimes it's just there. It's great. It fills the atmosphere. I mean, worship is amazing what happens. But what if you really engaged in worship? Like, what if you actually took that moment in your car, in the shower, whatever you're doing, while you're cleaning, doing dishes, whatever, and it actually becomes a worship service for you? You don't have to wait for the team to come and lead you in worship. You can be in your car, and you can enter in, and you can go to the worst place on earth, your job. For some of you, you hate it. But you can go prepared where the presence of God does something in you so that when you show up, they're like, man, they've been with God. The glory of God is all in that person. They won't even understand. They'll be like, oh, she's high. <laughs> Number three, you remember. I've said these points a lot already. He's either sparing you, preparing you, or he's teaching you. His grace is sufficient. There's this song, um, Hillsong sings it. It's called New Wine. I used to think it was red wine. <laughs> no one thought that was funny. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I literally used to think, you are bringing red wine. <laughs> it was the funniest thing, but it's actually new wine. And the first verse, and the first verse says this, in the pressing, in the crushing, you are making new wine. In the pressing, 
in the crushing, you are making new wine. And where there is new wine, there is new power. Where there is new wine, there is new power. He's either sparing you, preparing you, or teaching you his grace is sufficient. So what happens when it doesn't happen? What happens when it doesn't happen? What happens when all hope seems gone and it seems that what happens? What do you do? You wait and you trust that God is up to something. Can I encourage you all? If you've given up hope on something, ask God how to pray about it. Because maybe he's got something else, but maybe he wants to revive the very thing you've been hoping for. I don't know. But can you just continue worshiping him? Can you continue just believing in him? Can you hope again? Can you hope again? Hey, once again, thank you guys for checking us out at Church Alive. We are so blessed to be a part of your week, part of your lives. If you want to hear more of these messages and want to just hear more about what's going on in the life of our church, make sure to follow us on social media, Instagram, and on YouTube so you can see more messages, hear more messages just like this, and just really hear what's going on in the life of our church. We'll see you this weekend. Have a great week.